This is a podcast from Seven Vineyard. It's really exciting to be here. So, and it's really exciting that over the more times I come, the more people I get I know. Um, and it doesn't feel like I'm coming somewhere totally new, uh, either if that's through uh, the Ukrainian hub or just random connections or like serving together. It's or seeing you at the worship night at Totterdown or the ladies day that we just had. There's all these lovely things where it's just getting to like see you guys again and becoming family and just being like, oh, I'm, I'm just here. Um, and in fact, um, occasionally I do listen in to what's going on here uh, on your Facebook feed. We don't have a Facebook feed. Uh, we're not that like bougie. Um, but uh, we do, I like to listen in and I like to listen in to what's going on in field because I just think we're like these three little sister churches in Oh, not so little. Three sister churches in Bristol. And um, it's really interesting to see what God's stirring in the word between us all. Um, and it was really brilliant to hear uh, David's interview uh, last week. Uh, what an amazing, uh, wonderful young man he is. And I did ask him if I could embarrass him in that really mumsy way I just did. So he was fine with that. Um, except what I think I really heard from the message last week as we were thinking about Pentecost was um, what a really wonderful, amazing God we serve. Um, that when we lay our life in his hands, when we give it over, when we devote ourselves totally to him, he does something really, truly transformational in it. And as I was talking to God, <laughs> please God, can we talk on acts? Because like, that's what we're doing as our little lighthouse family. So, you know, less prep time. Um, I could just see God pulling together, and also acts is one of my favorites. Um, one of them, there's a few, anyway. Um, I could just see him like pulling all of these threads together. Um, because I think most of us in this room um, have experienced God do something in us so that we were one way and now we're another, in the words of Mary Magdalene from The Chosen, which you have to see. Um, I think at least enough of us know the Father's love for us, uh, for you, that has given you freedom that Jesus loved you enough, enough on the cross that he gave his freedom to you to be free from the things that got in the way between you and the Father and that also God's Holy Spirit uh, makes you free for one another and this has a radical trajectory in us as individuals doesn't it like in David's life being totally turned around upside down and redirected um, and I particularly love the way, like, trying to, uh, him trying to, like, explain what it means to, like, give your life to Jesus. It's something we say a lot in the church. Um, but what does that really mean? Uh, one of my very beautiful daughters likes to listen to Rebel Heart by Lauren Daigle before bed. It's her, like, sleepy song. And uh, I'm not going to sing it because I'll ruin it for you. But there's this one line which is, you know, take my life, let it be yours. And my daughter does this beautiful thing of like this sort of worshipy thing that she does. It's just, it's like breaks my heart like every day. Except one night she turned to me and she looked at me really intensely. And she said, why does she ta say take my life? Uh, why does God want it? What's he going to do with it? 
Um, and, you know, that was just one of those moments that as a parent, you go, I really need to have a great answer. Or even if you're not a parent, you're just like a special person in a kid's life. Like, you know that you have those moments where they ask you these really big questions and they're often really small when they do. And, you know, if you get it wrong, it's going to cost a lot in therapy. Or it's going to cost a lot of, like, um, prayer ministry, uh, which might be embarrassing for you, but it's not embarrassing. It's a good thing. So um, I'm not going to give you my answer, by the way. <laughs> if you ever get there, I'm sorry. You're going to have to, like, work that one out for yourself. Um, but it was a really special moment. But it really reminded me of my own journey with Jesus, where, if I'm honest, for many years, Jesus had many of my no's not many of my yeses, you know? Um, I remember years and years ago, I had a wonderful Anglican vicar. Uh, I've gone, I started out life Catholic, Anglican. That's, that was my rebellious phase, going into an Anglican church, and here I am in the vineyard. My, my lovely Catholic um, auntie would be just horrified. But anyway, that's, <laughs> that's, another, that's a whole other story. Uh, we had this wonderful Anglican vicar who took us through some liturgy, um, which every Sunday I probably mumbled in response. Um, and he went through it line by line, really carefully, of the implications of this prayer, to which my honest response was, I am never praying that prayer again. Now, I don't think that was really what he wanted, um, <laughs> but it was my honest response. Lord, don't send me out not me. I'm really happy with my life. Uh, my job, I've just been promoted. I'm tired. Uh, don't make me one of those weird Christians that only ever talk about Jesus. I met, so that was my first encounter with the vineyard in Bristol. I met two of them. I won't out them, but they constantly in this meeting talked about Jesus. I was like, oh my goodness, don't make me one of them. Um, why can't you just keep all of this in my Sunday box? Like, don't go messing with the rest of my week. Why can't we just all hang out in the pub a bit more? Um, oh, these Trinity students, they're so annoying. Why can't they just go and get proper jobs? Um, and just talk down the pub about you like everybody else, right? Uh, so if you know a bit of my story, you'll know the irony in that, that um, God just might take your nose and transform them into yeses. And I bet now you're all thinking about the nose you've given him, right? Like, uh, uh-oh. <laughs> but you see, if I'm really even more honest, I spent a lot of time in church, a lot of my time in church, not really liking church all that much. I love God. He'd be my father in heaven when my father on earth was really mentally ill and absent. Jesus was really quite cool, did some cool like social justice, radical stuff. The Holy Spirit spent six months with me as a teenager and really showed me what peace beyond all understanding really was. But church was just a little bit of a hard slog. I never quite fitted into the trendy ones, you know, with all the really good looking boys. Um, I couldn't really be bothered to show up to some of the others. I spent one year in a church being called Georgina. They still think that's my name, so like, you know, go with it. Um, and I was told by one lovely sister in Christ in another church uh, that I had enough padding on my bottom to give her the comfier padded seat so that I could just have the bench. <laughs> she wasn't wrong, but you know. 
might have been a nicer way to say it. I've listened to plenty of people's disappointments with church. And that's big church and our own churches, right? Uh, and I've suffered some of those disappointments myself. But when we think about the so whatness of Pentecost, uh, that we, the body of Christ celebrated around the world last week, we can't help but come back to church. Like it or lump it, that same radical transformation in us as individuals, God wants to do with us as an ecclesia, a community, a family. This individual, intimate glory of God that the Lord settles on his people at Pentecost in flame and wind and tongue is truly transformational. God unbabels us. This is why I love to speak about Pentecost because it's like he unbabels us. This new tiny ragtag bunch of disciples um, that have become a family that are waiting together to celebrate Pentecost, this Jewish festival of giving the law and the first fruits of the harvest, God makes them the new temple dwelling place of his glory here on earth. I mean, that just blows my mind. The temple that was his footstool here on earth, this sacred holy of holies, now dwells within and pours out on all those gathered from all over the diaspora. We, you, I, we're called to be a holy nation, a royal priesthood. God connects people in their mother tongues, which is a miracle of speaking, but also in the hearing. He's connecting up these people together. And those who aren't left scoffing in the strangeness of it all, just thinking, oh, they're probably drunk. Uh, those that experience the power of the Holy Spirit who hear Peter are left asking one question in the right subject pronoun. What do we do? Of course, it's transformation for the individual in repentance and baptism, but it's that outworking of that in the community that strikes me the most. So I just want us to like read Acts 2, 42 to 47 together. Well, I'll read it. You follow? It's not up there? Oh, it is. Wonderful. Thank you, Bert. Um, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What jumps out at you in that passage? For me, it's their love. They love each other. They love being together. They're free for each other, not just from the world or from their sin, not just free to live as they please because they're forgiven, but free for each other. They devote themselves to one another. And this word devotion, uh, I'm not a Greek scholar, I 
skip Greek, um, but so I'm probably going to say it wrong. Uh, proskaterio. Uh, Luke's used it before of the disciples together back in chapter one, and it's trans. You'd miss it because it's translated differently. So how would you know that we're talking about the same word devotion here? But in chapter one, it's used to joined together constantly in prayer. It's joining together the same word proskaterio. Uh, it's here again in verse 46, every day they continue to meet together. That's proskaterio, devoted. Um, in chapter 6, we see it again translated as give our attention to. In Acts 8, we see Simon the Sumerian saucer when we thought like the gospel couldn't go like any weirder or further or crazier um, Plot twist, it goes much further and much crazier. But, you know, you see this like, is it going to go here? Is the gospel going to go to this person? That's like Acts. That's just the whole story of Acts, basically, just like pushing that where the gospel is going to go. Uh, so you get this, this strange Sumerian saucer uh, following Philip around everywhere. That same word following, proskaterio, devoted, devoted to Philip. In Acts 10, Cornelius calls out a devout, a devout soldier to him who was one of his attendants. Again, this same word, one of his attendants. Are we attending to each other? In the letters, it's often translated as faithful, but here's a really fun picture. Uh, in Mark 3, verse 9, uh, we get this same word, proskaterio, when Jesus talks about um, a little boat. Like the crowds are pressing in, and he just says to the t disciples, "Like, can you, can you get this little boat like devoted to me, like just for me, ready to like, just the crowds are getting a bit, bit much. Where I, where I want to go, is that boat devoted, ready for him and his purposes? And really, guys, that's what gets me about this passage the most, and that's how I know it's a work of God in me, because I was one way, and now I am truly another." So much so that he went and took my nose and invited me to genuinely give them over to him to do something awesome and adventurous with them and transform them into a yes and plant a church. I mean, a few years ago, I, 10 years ago, I couldn't have thought of anything more silly or more ridiculous to do with my time. He loves our little lighthouse family. Uh, he loves our sister churches here at Seven and Field. He loves the vineyard, not because it's the best, but, you know, he just loves it anyway. He loves all the expressions of church around the world that form his body and his bride. And because he loves us first, um, he helps us to love him and one another. And there's something about this word devotion. It's like it's got another extra added layer of meaning. It's like a strong, stubborn, all in all, laying down devotion to studying the word together, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer together. This is church. This is all life, everyday devotion to each other because God is that devoted and more so to you. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that you get to enjoy a holy huddle, leave the rest of the world to rot. It's not uh, holy escapism. It sweeps us up and sends us out. And that truly is an adventure, as we heard with David. Not always safe, not always tame, but certainly a good one, which we see in the rest of Acts. 
And if you already love this little family of churches in Bristol, or just this one in particular, I won't be offended. Uh, as much as I do, that's, that's awesome. Um, come join us for worship tomorrow at Totterdown Methodist. We're going to think of a name for the place, the building, but anyway. Um, my heart's desire is that we would be so bowled over by the Holy Spirit, so devoted to each other, that we wouldn't want to leave tomorrow night, that we'd still be going Tuesday morning, like sleep, nah, who needs it? Like work, nah. <laughs> I'm all in all for this. Um, and this is kind of where I'd love to leave us. Like, do you want to come do this thing tomorrow? Which would be great. Uh, and I'm acutely aware that this isn't my immediate church family. I'm like this crazy aunt that just rocks up occasionally out of nowhere and you're like, who is she again? And like, how are we related? And why is she talking to me? Uh, that would be my teen daughter. Uh, I just can't quite leave it here. Because I do remember all too well the way that I was before the way that I now am, I am. So please just bear with me a little bit of a moment longer. If you are, and I don't know where you guys are at uh, individually, but if you're like where I was, and actually this thing called church, generally the church or this church, whatever, personally, is just feeling like a bit of a slog. It's just hard. You've got a lot else going on outside of here, or it's been disappointing or painful. If you're feeling on the brink of just not coming anymore, because who would notice or care anyway? And I say all of these things because I have felt all of these things in church at some point or another. Um, and I know this is the point where I need a really great answer, right? Like with my daughter. Um, but I'm going to be honest, I don't have one. It really is a work of God. It really is a gift. It's pure grace. Um, that God gives to us to love each other. Because <laughs> if you've tried, and you've tried really hard, you know that doesn't work. I'm going to try really hard to be nice to that woman who just said that I had a big bum. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't work. Um, but I do just have a few things, um, just observations from my own life and listening to others that I would like to share. Um, so firstly, uh, as I often say to my kids when they give me the I don't want to go to church look, which I get quite a lot, uh, which is hard for them, uh, I say to them, church isn't about you. It's not about you. That's quite a controversial statement, I know, in our highly individualized society and probably lots of the following statements I'd like to say in that kind of American Kim Kardashian voice, but I'll spare you that. Uh, things you might say in a breakup in a film, you know, like, this isn't quite working for me. Uh, I'm not really feeling this right now. Um, and of course, I jest. And it may well be that God is, in fact, calling you on somewhere else. My husband and I ended up in Canada for six months because I just thought I decided to like go and live somewhere nicer. Um, it is nicer. I, I mean, I love, I love Bristol. God's, God's broken my heart for Bristol, but it is nicer. Um, in fact, God was just waiting for me to step away from the things that I had uh, distracted myself with. 
He was just waiting for me to like lay down all the stuff, my identity through my work, you know, working for like Bristol City Council, like, you know, I've gotten to like middle management, like, yay. Like, oh, he was just waiting for me to like lay down all of that stuff um, and be like, now? Now can I show you who I am? Now can I show you what my family looks like? Um, but the point is, I didn't just go to Canada and be like, oh, here I am. We Googled churches as soon as we got there. We Googled the nearest churches to us. You see, not going somewhere or not fellowshipping wasn't even a thought that ever at any point, as much as I really didn't always love the church, had ever really crossed my mind. You see, I'm very thankful that something must have been planted deep down early on, possibly in my Catholic roots, that uh, church is missing something. It's missing something vital to, uh, to it if you aren't there. You see, this new temple that God is building post-Pentecost, it's made up of every saint, every saint who's been, every saint around you, every saint to come. You've joined that great cloud of witnesses as Hebrews 12 describes. Secondly, the holy ground in you is no less holy when you show up for fellowship with others, not feeling all the feels, but just because this is what God's called you to do. I was once in a church with a lady who'd been christened there as a baby, continually attended steadfastly, devotedly, her whole life until her death in her late 90s. While I'd been in that fellowship griping and grousing with God about this and that, and it's annoying and it doesn't work and it's not quite right, I mean, <laughs> I went on at him. Um, I just wish I'd spoken to her a bit more. I wish I'd listened to her uh, and her example. And thirdly, I think it's really important to just be honest, to be honest with yourself, mostly with God, because guess what? He already knows. <laughs> like you're thinking, he doesn't know. Shh. Uh, he knows. Uh, he knows your nose. But be ready and open, devoted to the work and the move of the Holy Spirit in you that he might just want to transform those into yeses. That's it. That's, that's all my answer. It's like, it's all I've got. Um, but I do think if you are ready and if you're willing and if you are in that space, please don't go. Please don't go from here today thinking, but these are all my nose and I just, you know, like actually just maybe ask for some prayer. Um, I, I really believe God is is up to something today. And, and I think that because I didn't know what Becky was going to share. I didn't know Becky's dream. Uh, I didn't know um, we have a word, which I think um, Dan's going to come and share. And I just think God is like in the mix of this. There's something that he wants to, to stir and do with us.